streaming on Facebook. And actually, we've had a number of people join and join from all over, not all over the state, but uh, in some cases all over the country, uh, praying and sharing the Psalms. That's what I've been doing, praying and sharing the Psalms. As you know, the Psalms are the Lord's prayer book, the, the, uh, the prayers the Lord gives us to, to pray back to Him. And the Psalms can teach us to pray. The Psalms can teach us to pray. They can, they can um, as they've taught thousands, um, uh, or taught millions of people for thousands of years. There, there's psalms of, uh, there's psalms of joy. There are psalms of sorrow. There are psalms of grief. There are psalms of, of great anger. And there are psalms of loneliness. I'm like a lonely bird on a housetop, in one of the psalms. And praying the psalms can teach us to be human. Praying the Psalms can teach us to be human because it can teach us those emotions and it can teach us those things and get us out of our numbed out, screen-filled day. And this week I remembered another teaching from the Psalms and it came during a flag football game about nine years ago. I'd driven out to see our then four-year-old grandson's first flag football game. I can't go to his, his games now. They get, uh, the parents get uh, two tickets uh, per. And so um, it's going to be a while before your grandparents write one of those, one of those two. Um, but uh, I used to be able to go. to the, So I went out to his first football game. I, I drove up to College Station that day just to see it. And, and the game was sponsored by their church, which is a, a big old place. And at halftime, one of the coaches came over to the parents and the grandparents and offered a devotional from Psalm 24. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. The earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. So then he said to us, how many of you here today own a cell phone in a car? And all our hands went up. And he said, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So how many of you today own a cell phone and a car? And a few of us went, hmm. But most of us, I just said this. And so then he said, let me ask you again. And here's the, let me say this again. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Let me say it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. How many of you own a cell phone and a car? And a few of us finally caught on. Everything is the Lord's. We don't own anything. And when we think like that, you know, it can open up new possibilities. It can open up new possibilities. The Psalms are, are great for expanding, for broadening your mind. Most of us think in concrete terms. You know, I, I want to know the answer to my questions. I, 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 I want to know the simple answer. And I want to know the true answer. And I want to know one that I can understand. And I also don't want to wait too long for it. Well, the Bible may not be the place for you and all that. When we get to the Word of God, we enter into a world described, uh, described as poetry a lot of times, and imagery, and, and the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so today, uh, in this prayer book that I've read from and that I only mention once a week, uh, that, uh, is, that the Methodist men have provided for, for anyone who wants them, has in the back 
how to get through the Psalms, read through all the Psalms in 30 days. I've been doing this for some time now, for some years, and the Psalm appointed for today, one of the Psalms appointed for today, is Psalm 19. It's one of my favorite ones, and here it is, part of it. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. So you get it? The, the heavens themselves are telling the glory of God. You go outside. So, uh, Paul said in Romans 1, there's no excuse for not believing in God. No, it doesn't matter but you, because you have the dawn, you have the sunset, you have the seasons. There is no excuse. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There's no speech. There are no words. Their voice is not heard, yet their voice goes through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. Their voice goes through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. We know there's a God because we go outside and we see it. I love imagery like that. I don't understand it most of the time. But, but if I only believed in the things that I, I understood, I wouldn't believe in math. <laughs> and much science and almost all astronomy. The, 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 the glory of God is this gift of creation. The world that Rich Mullins, I, I haven't mentioned Rich Mullins since last week, so the, the, the world, Rich Mullins has a song that said, when he said, and I wake in a world that I'm partly made of and a world that is partly of my own making. I wake in a world that I'm partly made of and a world that is partly of my own making. The heavens are telling the glory of God. A few nights ago, Brenda and I went out to, to dinner to a, a friend's house, um, people I had known for half a century now. Amazing. I, that, so that raisins thing really speaks to me. Um, so as, as I'm entering into my raisin uh, second, uh, uh, second start, so we went to see some friends we'd, we'd known um, since well, over 50 years, and, and we went outside. It's very dark where they are, and, and I, we saw the full moon, and it was beautiful, and we saw... Jupiter and Venus in the night sky, and then as the night wore on, we saw Mars rising, and it was gorgeous. The heavens are telling the glory of God. We're going to pray in a few minutes that the juice and the bread become for us the body and blood of Christ, and that we will take these elements as we take the elements. We are, we are strengthened by Christ's real presence with us, by Christ's real presence with us. I don't know how that works. I don't know how that works. But I believe it's true, and I believe that God is, is with us now. I believe that Jesus is present in this room because we have gathered in Jesus' name, and there's more than two of us, and that Jesus is here with us. And I believe Christ's presence is more real than anything else, and it's more real than my fears. It's more real than my worries. It's more real than my understanding. Christ's presence is more real than anything else. So today in the gospel story, we've got another story of a vineyard. And the vineyard in, the, in, in Matthew's, in, in the parable that Jesus tells us, seems to be producing pretty well. 
when the landowner sends the people to collect the produce, his share of the produce, well, that's when the problem starts. The people that he sends get beaten and killed. And he does this a couple of times. The same thing happens. And for some reason, and I don't understand this at all, I'm going to send my son. They'll respect my son. And, and I want to think, on what are you basing that? Why do you think that's a good idea? And I'm sure the son on the way there is saying, Dad, this is not a good idea. But that's not how it goes. So he goes, and, and his son, they see the son, we'll get him, we'll have control of this whole thing, and they take him outside and they, and they kill him. What do you think is going to happen? And this parable is told on the second day, on the second day since Jesus entered into Jerusalem. And many saw him as the Messiah. He entered in on a cult with the palm fronds and people throwing their cloaks in front of him. He entered in. He threw out the money changers. We talked about that last week. He threw out the vendors who were selling the uh, temple-approved offering pigeons, temple-approved lambs for the slaughter. And he came in, and this is his last day at the temple before he's arrested, the last time he enters. And he, we talked about one of the parables that he did last week on that day, and we'll talk about another one next week. But uh, today, he traps the religious leaders by asking them what they should do to the tenants who have killed the slaves and the son of the landowner. And they say, well, they should get those guys and torture him, and they should die a miserable death, and then he should give the, give the land to somebody else. And Jesus then sets the trap that he has sprung on them. He, uh, he's talking about them. Well, the vineyard is, and let me just also say, he's talking about us, too. It's not just a story for them. It's a story for us. Kristen talked about that very well in, in, in that um, children's time. He's talking about us. The vineyard is Israel, and the first prophets, the, the, the first uh, ones sent are the prophets that are, that are uh, killed by the religious leaders for saying, you need to come back to the Lord. You need to come back to the Lord. Being a prophet was not a good, was not a good gig, if you read the Bible. Uh, I'm, I'm in the middle of Jeremiah now. Not a happy time for Jeremiah during his life. And he complains to the Lord, and the Lord says, wow, um, if you uh, speak noble words and not worthless words, you can be uh, you can speak for me. And, the, and what I was reading this morning, if you speak noble words instead of worthless words, you can speak for me. In other words, tighten up, man. You're, you're called to some work here. You're called to something important. And so Jesus um, tells them the religious leaders are wanting to control the vineyard themselves. That's what Jesus is telling them. Just like the prophets had been telling the, the, uh, the leaders, the religious leaders in Israel for hundreds and maybe thousands of years. And Jesus said, have you never read in the scripture the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing. And it was amazing in their eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to the people who produce the fruits of the kingdom. Those who fall on this stone will be 
broken to pieces, and it will crush anyone on whom it falls. So, so now, now some people have interpreted this parable as saying that the kingdom is going to be taken away from the Jews and given and given to those who believe in Christ. But I'm going to tell you that you've got a lot of there's a lot of trouble with that interpretation. There's a lot of trouble in that, and um, God's God's um, covenant with the Jews is never completely forsaken and. Uh, as Rich Mullins asked in a, in a concert one time, how many Hittites do you know in New York City? How many Amorites, Perizzites? Those people are all gone. So it, it, is, it, is an, it is an unwelcome thought to say that, that that's the parable of that and that meaning. It is uh, not a good way for you to go. And any time we try to determine what God is doing, we start trying to limit God. And that is never, ever going to work out for us. The vineyard is the Lord's. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, from Psalm 24. The vineyard is the Lord's. And when we say we know the workings of God, we know, we know who Jesus is, or we know the... The, what the work of Christ are in its entirety, and God works in this way and not in this way, we are, um, as limited as we are, we can go out and count the stars that are named by the Lord and see how well we can keep up. And then maybe repent and ask forgiveness and come back to the Lord. Elsewhere, the Apostle Paul tells us the fruit of the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I don't know if this is what Jesus means in the passage, but it could be. So today's World Communion Sunday. We haven't had um, offerings at the rail for some time, but uh, we will today. And and any offering at the rail is as we're taking baby steps to get back into normal. The World Communion Sunday. The, uh, the offerings go toward scholarships uh, used in the United States and around the world. It's part of a recognition that, um, that, that there's more to the little world than we know. On October 11th, we're going to have our annual charge conference. And this time, it's going to be uh, via Zoom. Oh, boy, oh, boy, oh, boy. This, will be, this is a remarkable a remarkable year in the life of the church, as Brett said. A remarkable time. And we are, we are facing a remarkable new beginning. Three years ago, we started the campaign to restore, rebuild, and transform. And a little bit later, the rising from the water. We have done both now, and we are just beginning. And, uh, yeah, I was there in the parking lot, but let me say Ken was too, and many of y'all were too, and, and the publicity that went out across the country in some of the photos that were taken um, uh, on, on that day. Um, Cindy was holding their recently adopted daughter, Natalie. Hi, Natalie. They had, they had uh, either just adopted her or were just about to, the adoption was just about to go through. And so she was there, a picture of her in the parking lot in their lawn chair. Because, um, you know, being transformed by God is an ongoing experience. 
it is not a one-time event. The scripture is the transforming of our minds. It's a lifetime process and goal. God, God has allowed us to do more than transform. We have been made new. Three years ago, since three years ago, we've got a new office building, completely remodeled, completely remodeled. We were meeting in, we had meetings going on in the, in the uh, months before Harvey, and we planned out what we wanted to do. And we have a children's wing that is, that is there um, that we did not have before. We have um, a parsonage that is just beautiful. Let me just tell you, it is, it is just beautiful. As soon as we're gone, we'll have an open house. <laughs> and y'all can come, go through it to your heart's content. Uh, <laughs> uh, and we have a new sanctuary. And if you haven't been through it, we'll take you through it after this service. And we'll be able to move in and worship there soon. Um, and more than that, a sign of moving forward is the associate pastor and Ken Burns and his family and a new energy in the church. And it is, uh, we are moving in, in a, an incredible direction. And I don't know who the new pastor is going to be. But, you know, Ray Freeman told me months ago that it's going to be just the right person, just like uh, Pastor Charles was just the right person, just like I was just the right person for the time, and the new person is going to be just the right person. I firmly believe that God works even during the doing in the Methodist appointment process. That God works through these people who who are earnestly seeking for the right person to come, and it's going to be the right person. And it may not seem like the right person right at first. I'm just saying that from experience. <laughs> yeah. But I trust that the Lord is going to bring just the right person to the church. And so we're going to pray and watch. The heavens are telling the glory of God. And how do we listen and what do we do? The heavens are telling the glory of God. How do we listen and what do we do? When we come to communion in just a few minutes, let us set aside everything but Christ and his glory and listen for the call of Jesus upon our lives. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.